Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first podcast for Eat, Travel, Chill. My name is Chris, and I'll be the host to this wonderful, glorious guide to food, travel, and other forms of leisure. I am very excited as we start this journey together. Uh, this is the first of hopefully many podcasts. And if you're just joining or if you're listening in the future, I'm very uh, happy that you can join us and looking forward to sharing some interesting and memorable stories with you. So, first of all, I thought I'd give you a bit of a rundown of what to expect with our podcast. As some of you may know, we do have a website, eattravelchill.com. This is a companion podcast. You may find some extra information on that website. But basically, I'm going to be trying to do this every week. And each week, we'll be sharing uh, three categories. That is eat, which will be food, food-related, uh, travel, which is anything travel-related, and the chill section, which is our kind of our wild card. It could be anything, really. Uh, most of the time, it might be video games, uh, bars, drinking, spirits, things like that. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our very first section of our very first podcast, which is the eat section. So not too long ago, I tried my hand at making homemade pasta. Now, not for the faint of heart. It is kind of easy as long as you put in the effort. Me, personally, I do not have a pasta machine. Uh, I went into it with just my bare hands uh, and a rolling pin. <laughs> and so it was quite an experience, but a very um, worthwhile experience because it came out very, very delicious. Now, this pasta recipe, I mean, you can use it to make pasta in a pasta machine. Or you can do what I did. You make it by hand, roll it out, and cut it with a knife. And it leaves you with a very rustic-shaped uh, pasta. So, let me get to the recipe. The recipe is very easy. It's 100 grams of semolina flour, 100 grams of AP flour, or if you can find the double zero flour, which is a special flour the Italians use that will um, be ground very, very, very fine. Um, and then two eggs. You need two eggs for that. Now, just a, a bit about the double O flour. Um, if you make this recipe, you may notice a textural difference from what you're normally used to. Um, and that's because of the double O flour. So, the double O flour does make a difference, but if you don't have it, it's okay. You can use the all-purpose flour. That's fine. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to take the all-purpose flour and you're going to take the semolina flour and you're going to mix it all together. Make sure it's very well blended. Then you're going to put it out on a, um, what do you call that? I guess a clean table work area or a clean cutting board and kind of make a well in the center. You're going to put your finger in the middle and kind of circle around so that it makes like a, a hole in the middle. And that's where you put the two eggs. And then after that, you mix those two eggs, you beat them in the middle until they're they're pretty well beaten, well combined, kind of like you're making scrambled eggs. Then what you do is you slowly work the flour mixture out from the outsides into the middle. So what I did was I was running my finger along the outer rim of the of the well and it would add some flour in. And you kind of do this slowly, incorporating the flour, making sure it's getting hydrated. 
making sure that um, all the flour gets incorporated slowly but surely. Once it gets in there uh, quite a bit, you can start just folding it in, uh, folding in the flour from the outsides, things like that. Then you're going to want to knead the dough. It's going to come together. It's going to take about 10 minutes. You're going to want to knead the dough for about 10 minutes, just working it, folding it, pushing it with your hand, working it, folding it, pushing it with your hand. And then you're going to want to put it into a ball. And you're going to want to put it in the refrigerator for 10 minutes. And this is a rest period. This rest period is important. It allows uh, the liquid to be absorbed by the flour so that it can fully incorporate in there and then once you get it out divide that ball in half and each half you're going to roll out fold into thirds you're going to want, want to roll it out pretty pretty thin enough so that you can see the shadow of your hand through it or the form of your hand through it so you hold it up at the light with your hand behind it and you can see the outline of your hand is probably thin enough and then you take you roll it out into the kind of a rectangle and you take that rectangle and you take both ends and fold it into the middle and that's what's called um, a trifold and then you fold it in half again and then you slice up the noodles and that way you get really long um, noodles with that I have we, we do have a video I did make the recipe in a quick video that you can check out I'm going to be putting it up on the website and you can check it out there if you're a visual learner and it will help you with the technique that is used in making it. Now when it comes to cooking it, I didn't really uh, videotape that part, but it's very simple. You just bring some water to a boil and add a good amount of salt in there because you have to remember that the salt um, that you're putting into the water is how you're going to flavor the pasta. So whatever salt you put into the water will be transferred to the pasta and carried over into the final dish. So you can use whatever sauce that you may like. Um, for this recipe, I made a pesto sauce, which my wife loves. So um, I used just some basil, olive oil, garlic, salt and pepper, and a food processor very easily. I'm very easy. I might go over that in another show, but it was very easy to make. Tossed it in with the pasta. It is the best pasta that I've had in a long time. And if you ever had homemade pasta, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. That the pasta that is made from scratch is totally different than dried pasta. It cooks a lot quicker. So that boiling water, that boiling salt water, it takes about four to five minutes in there and that's it. Pull it out, you serve it fresh. It's, it's al dente. It is just the best. It has the texture that is amazing. It's a spongy texture firm texture it holds sauce well it's just amazing and it's a very simple recipe that you could do at home and if you have a pasta machine or something similar to flatten it out it makes it even easier so there you go that is my super simple pasta recipe for you to follow and make at home again check the website eattravelchill.com i will be posting that up shortly now that uh, does it for the eat section of this week. So we're moving on to the second section there, which is travel. So this week in travel, I wanted to go over some things um, that I've had experience with and that I've dealt with. So it's a familiar topic for me, which is China. I have now been to China three times and uh, every time I had a great time there. And a lot of people 
they got really scared when I told them I was going to China. <laughs> and I don't know why. I mean, China is different, but there's no, no reason you should be scared to go to China. There are some things involved with going, things you need to do before you go to even get into the country that I'll be going over. But um, China is a wonderful, magical place with tons and tons and tons of history. I mean, it's thousands of years old. There's structures there that are thousands of years old. And just to be able to take part in that is just amazing. I'm sorry for that background. My cat is going nuts. <clears throat> Anyways, so China. You're thinking about going. You're scared. You're intimidated. Where do you go? What do you do? What do you need to have to go over there in China? And this is something we've also covered on our YouTube channel, Eat, Travel, Chill. Um, I do have a couple of videos that go over this information, but I just wanted to touch on it briefly since it's our first podcast and this is your introduction to us. Just wanted to go ahead and give you that information again. You can also check out eTravelChill.com. We have articles of when we went to China, me and my wife, and the different things that we experienced there. Now, first of all, before you go to China, you need to know that you need a visa. Now, if you're going to Hong Kong, Hong Kong's a bit different. Different. It's um, it's what they call an autonomous region of China, which basically means the government kind of leaves it alone to do, to do whatever they want. So you don't need the visa to go there. I believe you don't need it to go to Macau either. They're both autonomous um, regions of China. But if you're going to go into the really cool historic areas like Beijing and Shanghai, then yes, you do need the visa. And the visa can be intimidating sometimes. I have people who this is the reason they don't go to China. They just don't want to mess with it. They think it's such a hassle to do it. And granted, it does take time, but it's not that hard. So for the most part, um, if you're in a big city, hopefully they'll have a consulate there. I live in LA. There's a consulate here. It was super easy. So if you have a consulate in your area, it's as simple as filling out the paperwork from the consulate website, which is an application. You have to give them, oh, here's another thing to keep in mind. You have to have the travel arrangements before you apply for the visa. So don't try to get a visa before you even book any tickets or anything like that. No, you can't do that. You have to book your travel arrangements before you get the visa. I know it's kind of a backwards way of doing it, but this is just the way it works. So you book your travel arrangements, you fill out the application, which you can download from the consulate website, and then you put the travel information there in the application where you're going to stay, how long you're going to stay, fill out all the other information, which could be, you know, um, how long you're going to stay, where you're going to stay, like I just mentioned, um, your birthday, your your nationality, your name, things like that. Then you all you have to do is go down to the consulate, you take a number, you wait in line, go to the window, you pay your fee. Um, oh, also very important, this I think it's new, is you have to have a photocopy of your um, passport. You bring your passport, a photocopy of that first page with your picture and everything, and your application. Those are the three things you need. Take that to the consulate, take it to the little window, you pay your fee, they, they hold on to everything, and it takes about four days. Four days, and that's it. I mean, 
It's not like a long drawn out process. It's about four to five business days. Then you get a little uh, receipt and after those four or five business days, you just go back, give them the receipt and you get your visa. I mean, you do have to pay for it, of course. And the fee um, right now, I believe is $140 for US citizens. I can't really speak to any other citizens, just US citizens. Now, if you don't have a consulate in your area, then um, it is a little different. You could do it through the mail. And of course, if you do it through the mail, it's going to take a little bit more time. But we're not talking like renew your passport amount of time. We're not talking about getting a new passport amount of time. It's, you know, however long it takes to get there, four to five business days, and then however long it takes to get back. So it's not that hard. So it, anybody can do it. You just pay them 140, you get your visa, and it's good for 10 years. That's what the US is doing right now. They're doing a 10 year visa, tourism visa. Now you can't work there and you can't, you know, rent a house or anything like that. You can only be there as a tourist on this tourism visa, but still, it's good for 10 years. So $140 every 10 years, I mean, that's totally worth it. Now, as far as what it's like in China, I will tell you honestly, I had a very interesting um, experience when I went to China. I guess I was a bit naive. I thought, you know, like everybody else here in the United States, you get the impression that the United States is the best. Uh, every other nation is inferior and it's going to be dirty. It's a third world country. You know, they're not going to have proper toilets, things like that. I don't know. And that that was my experience. In my head, I had some of these things, preconceived notions, which when you're traveling, it's one of my models is just leave all that stuff behind and go with an open mind. My motto, of course, is travel with an open mind and an open mouth. Eat everything and go with an open mind. So anyways, I went there. Uh, the first city we went to, I went for work, but I was traveling for leisure at the beginning part of that trip. In Beijing, the first thing you notice is, oh, this is just like any other city. They have good roads. They have, you know, traffic lights. They have everything. It's just like a normal city. With that being said, there are some differences. They take a very liberal view when it comes to these traffic lights. Uh, red lights are a mere suggestion. People walk whenever they want to. There's a lot of honking. Um, there's a lot of people. But it is an interesting experience, to say the least. Uh, as far as the accommodations go, top notch. If you're staying in an... I stayed in an Airbnb, and I also stayed in an American chain hotel when I went um, a different time. Both of these were amazing. Now, I highly recommend... Well, I recommend both, actually. Because Airbnb, it's a different vibe, a different feel. Airbnb, you get your own place, your own apartment... But you also get the host. And the host can be like your best friend in this situation, especially if you're not speaking Chinese. Um, if you don't speak Chinese, they typically will speak English. And they will give you the tips and like the places to go. When we went, when I went on my first trip, I had a business coworker with me and I spoke a little Chinese. I do speak Chinese, but I, I, at the time it was not as good. Spoke, I could get by. But anyways, I had my coworker didn't speak a lick of Chinese. We met up with the Airbnb host and she just laid the city out for us. I mean, she told us where to go, the good bars to go to, places to avoid, 
I mean, all in English, we could understand her. It was amazing. So I highly recommend that. Um, they could be just your best friend. I got her phone number. She helped me out of a funny situation, which I'll tell you at the end of the, of the podcast. But um, as far as Airbnbs, highly recommend it. But I also highly recommend the American Chain Hotels. Now, I stayed at the Marriott Chain. I believe it was a JW Marriott. It was a little fancier, but I stayed there with Rewards Point. But that's one thing you'll notice, too, is everything cheap. everything's cheap over there. So even staying at a fancy hotel is pretty cheap. So it was just immaculate. It's 10 times fancier over there than it is here. Because some people may think, oh, Marriott, what are you talking about? American chain over here is not that great. Over there, it's like 10 times better. It's like a five-star hotel accommodations. People are just dying to wait on you hand and foot. And it's, I, I can't. I have nothing else to describe it, but it's very, very um, awesome. <laughs> and I say that word a lot, but it is very awesome. So accommodations are very nice over there. Now, getting around in China is very, very easy as well. They have a very well-built subway system, which in Los Angeles, we don't even have that. But over there in China, Beijing, Shanghai, uh, Guang- Guangzhou, Shenzhen, all of those cities have beautiful... Uh, subway systems and they're very easy to navigate in English they have all the prompts in English to buy your tickets everything it's super easy tell you where you need to go as they work more you know like subway systems around the world they work by you pick your starting point and your destination and then they charge you a certain fee based on that and then you slip your ticket into the thing they let you through the gate get on the train use that ticket to get out a lot of a lot of places around the world the same way but I was really, really uh, impressed by the subway system. There's also buses, but buses tend to get very, very crowded. Like people pushed up against the wall crowded. Uh, subways get very crowded around rush hour times. But if you're on vacation, just avoid those times, which, of course, in the morning, people going to work in the late evening when people are coming home from work. But very well um, planned out and a lot of stops in the subway. So highly recommend that. Um now, when it comes to food, now food, you can get whatever it is you like to eat in China. Um, what do I mean when I say that? Okay, so let's say you're an American and you are afraid of Chinese food, which it happens a lot. Now, maybe you're not afraid, you just don't like it. You've tried it, you've given it a fair shake. It's not something for you like. That's fine. McDonald's, KFC... You know, all big chain fast food restaurants, they have it over there. And you'll be surprised. It's almost exactly the same as at home. So don't freak out if you're missing your McDonald's and you need your hamburger fixed. They have it over there, too. They also have some really weird, like, uh, American food-themed places, which they think is what American food is. And that's also kind of worth going to check out because it's just weird to see what their definition and what their... um, idea is of american food and that's funny now let's say you really like chinese food well you're in for a treat because chinese food is the cheapest and most available and the best of course you're in china of course chinese food is going to be the best to have over there but if you're if you like chinese food i highly suggest trying the street food (gasps) yes that's right the street food now everybody gets super scared when i say this street food they think Oh my God, I'm going to be on the toilet the next day, all day. 
I'm just going to be so sick from eating it. That is not true. I ate a lot of street food when I was in China. And I have kind of a sensitive stomach, but I was fine. And the real trick of it is you go where other people are going. If you see a lot of locals at a little food truck stall, or not food truck, but little food stall, just go there. And it's super easy. And Chinese people are very friendly. Very, very friendly. So even if you don't speak Chinese, because a majority of these street food vendors speak Chinese, you can just point and tell them what you want, and then they'll give you the hand signal of how much it is, and that's, you can work your way through it. It's very simple. And they'll just smile. They'll laugh. Everybody's happy. I've, I haven't run into very many bad experiences doing this. So you can do that. Um, one thing in Beijing that is a specialty that you have to try is the um, jianbing. Now, a jianbing is kind of like a crate. So they have a big old hot metal cooking surface, like making crepes. They put a dough on it. But what's different is they add egg. They add um, different herbs in there. They add onions. They add cilantro. They put a little cracker in it and they fold it up and then you're good to go. And it was five RMB. Five RMB is like, I think it's like 72 USD, 72 cents USD. There's nothing. And it's huge. It's like the size of your face. It's so big and it's filling. That's your breakfast right there, 72 cents. Another big thing for street food is baos or steamed buns. And they just have an endless variety of these. Uh, filled with everything from meatballs to vegetables to glass noodles. It's just everything. Do yourself a favor. Just pick a random one off the menu, point to it, and get it. It'll be good. Trust me. Then they also have the jiaozi, which is dumplings. <coughs> Excuse me, dumplings. Uh, some of the best dumplings I ever had was in this tiny back alley behind a shopping center with this little old man making dumplings. And it was just amazing. So I highly recommend you do that. As far as the other food, everything's cheap. Western food's going to cost you a little bit more if you're going to these chain restaurants, of course. Expect to pay a bit more. But if you're eating local foods, it's pretty cheap. Now, when we went, uh, when I went with my wife, because first two times I went, it was business and I was kind of busy. But when I went with my wife, we did get to go to the Great Wall, which is near Beijing. So... If you're going, I highly recommend you do this. What we did is a part of the wall that is very, um, it's not used as much and it's not as touristy as the other places. It's called Jian Shan Ling. Jian Shan Ling. Now this is more rundown area. It's not kept up as much, but you will avoid all the crowds. I mean, I'm talking about our group was like the only group on there. And it was amazing. And you get the sights, you get the experience without having to deal with all these loud crowds of people. Now, if you're not in physical shape to be doing this, there's no gondola or anything like that. You actually have to hike up to the wall. I don't recommend it. But if you're in a reasonably good shape, I mean, I'm not in good shape. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm overweight. I was able to do it. And it was the experience of a lifetime, um, something I'll never forget. And it's something that's worth flying all the way to China to do. Because <clears throat> once you get up on that wall, you see the wall going for miles and miles and miles. And you're just, it's kind of striking about how small you feel once you see that. And it just leaves you with a sense of wonder that is hard to duplicate. And I highly, highly recommend it. 
So China, please don't count it out. It's not too hard. It's very cheap. And flying from the West Coast is very cheap. When we flew, it was about $600 round trip. So per person. That's like nothing. So highly recommend it. All right. So that brings us to the third part, and that is chill. So this week for chill, for our very first inaugural episode, I'm going to be talking about a bar. And this bar is in downtown LA. It is called the Seven Grand. Now, Seven Grand is a whiskey bar, and it's one of my favorites. Uh, It is They have the largest selection of scotches I have ever seen. If you're into scotches, definitely recommend this place. Very chill vibe. It's on a second level above another place, which I can't remember the name of. But basically, you go to the front door, they check your ID, and you go upstairs. Now, um, they do have a dress code. You cannot wear flip-flops, things like that. So check the website. Um... They're run by 213 Hospitality. You could go to 213hospitality.com to check it out. They're open Sunday through Wednesday, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Thursday, Saturday, 3 p.m. to 2 a.m. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because I went there recently. Well, I've been going there a lot recently, but I went there recently and to chill out. And you could play pool there. And me and my friend went there, and happy hour is uh, every day until 8 p.m. Until 8 p.m. So it's pretty awesome. If you get off work around 4, I mean, you still got like 3 hours of happy hour to get that done. And they have $6 cocktail specials, and then they have $5 beer specials. Now, one special that they did have was a $10 boiler maker. Now, a boiler maker... I don't know if you're familiar with it, but basically it's a pint of Pilsner alongside a shot of bourbon. Now, bourbon has become the, you know, hipster drink of choice lately. And I've been on a bourbon tasting, like, madhouse rush with my friends. We've been searching for certain bourbons. He likes bourbon a lot. So we've been tasting a lot of bourbons, especially here at Seven Ground. They do have a lot of bourbons there. So... The bourbon and Pilsner combo, you may not think it works, but it is very delicious. And it's $10 for a pint and a shot. That is a pretty good price. They do have some whiskey tastings. Um, They have a whiskey club that you can join, which is pretty awesome. All you have to do is buy a bottle of whiskey, which you know you're going to do that anyways. So highly recommend going there. So this seven and I mean, seven grand. I keep saying seven and ground because that's where it's located. It's on 515 West 7th Street. It's on the second floor. Uh, it's right as Grand and 7th. That's why it's called Seven Grand. I, I'm assuming. But they do have two other locations besides LA. They have San Diego and they have Austin, which is pretty awesome. So if you have one in your area, I highly recommend checking it out. And I mean, what else can I say? Good drinks, good vibe, good fun. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the end of this inaugural podcast. Now, hopefully in the future, we may have this uh, podcast run a little bit longer, but I'm starting a little bit short now just so I can get these out in a good amount of time. So once again, uh, don't forget to check out our website at eattravelchill.com. Instagram, you can find us at eat.travel.chill. 
And if you want to throw us an email, a suggestion of what to cover, you can send it to eat.travel.chill at gmail.com. Now, till next time, travel hungry, my friends. Goodbye.